Welcome and thank you for downloading the Trinity Now podcast, recorded live from Trinity Church of Weston Chapel. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. Now, let's join Pastor Dave. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Did you sing that as a kid? Okay, let's go back. Now we're going to sing it now. Ready? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Pretty cool, huh? I really, you sound good. You didn't forget it. Kind of funny, but you don't forget those kind of things. I was, uh, we always think of that as being a, a, a children's hymn, you know, and, and it would do us good to remember it's not. You know, it's, uh, I was <clears throat> a part of a, an Emmaus community, and when we have team meetings, um, preparing for our walks, um, we always start our meetings with a devotion time. And it's the pastor's jobs to, um, um, to give a, a, a brief message. Um, yeah, we get long-winded there too. But um, we give a brief message, we take communion together, and, uh, um, and it's, it's, gener- it's just a great way to start. And then we go in for team training and all that. Well, this one particular um, Thursday night, a friend of mine, pastor, um, wasn't quite sure. He, he thought that it was my turn, but he wasn't sure, and, uh, and I knew it was my turn. And so he, he came up to me before, the, before we had team training, and he said, do you have it tonight? And I said, yeah, I got it. I got it. He says, oh, that's good. But he says, I was ready. I was going to do mine on Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And... and uh, I said, you know, that's, that's, that's awesome. What you could do, what you could do with that. And, and he said, you, you are very fortunate. You see, because he, he um, uh, belongs to a denomination that struggles with those words. The Bible tells me so. And, and I said, you know something? You're right. We don't struggle with those words. If it says it, I believe it, that settles it. Amen. Amen. You know, we do. I, I think that we look at that, that hymn. That hymn it was actually written as a poem for, for a young child who was sick, I guess. It was written, I think it was put to music back in 1862. And, and some of us treat um, that, that hymn... Um, like it was like we were singing about Barney, the, the purple dinosaur. Is he still on TV? Is there still Barney out there? And, um, um, but it's not. There's truth in this. I, I, I know that um, uh, from what I understand, even during the Civil War, 
um, that, that soldiers um, at times would sing that together. And, and you've got to ask yourself, well, there weren't kids there. Why were they doing it? Because it was comfort in it. There's comfort in those, in those words. And, and, you know, if you think about the times that they were in, looking back at the Civil War, and, and we got some, some folks here who are very, very up on the Civil War, and they've done a lot of studying on the Civil War. And, and you know, there was a time when this nation was at war, and we were fighting against each other, and it literally did turn out that it would be brother against brother. It just depended on where you fell on this. And, and those guys, if they would sit um, at night and they would say, Jesus loves me, this I know. You know, they would do that because the times that they lived in were uncertain. Uncertain. And, and we need, and they needed to remember those words. That regardless of what they were going through, Jesus loves me. And I know it. And I know it. You see, folks, I think today we live in very uncertain times. Sometimes it, it, it even bothers us to say that we live in uncertain times, but we do. We do. And so the scripture today, just, it's going to come up here. Um, you don't have to stand. Just relax. Um, it, it's from uh, Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And it says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things says the first and the last, who was dead and came to life. I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you're rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which... You are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. This is something to, to, to hear about. You know, many, many people believe that the seven churches in the book of Revelation are indicative of periods of time, as do I, uh, periods of time of the church, from the time the church actually started with, with Paul up until the tribulation time, is the time of the church, the age of the church, the age of grace, and that the seven churches indicate the special, those, a time during that, let's say, 2,000, 2000 year period. But the church, well, they look at it and they say, well, the church of this time is, is how the church was at a particular time in history. This is the things that they were going through. But, you know, I, I look at, at the seven churches and I say, well, the church is actually a church and we can see uh, similarities in all seven churches into the church that, that is today. Um, five of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, Jesus finds a problem with. No, Jesus finds a serious problem with. Serious problems. But there are 
two that he finds no fault with. Now, here's four of the five. Let me, let me just read these quickly to you, and I'll just briefly hit in, hitting on them. Four of the five that Jesus finds trouble with. Ephesus, it left its first love, which is, which is Jesus. Their works are what drove them. And when they lost their first love, their works became more important than who Jesus was. Um, then you have Pergamos, the compromising church. They had a doctrine of, of other gods that they brought into the church. And people go, well, that, that ain't the case today, really. I know a church whose pastor preached Buddha from the pulpit. I know it. It happened. Yeah. Thyatira. Thyatira. I always say that wrong. That's the corrupt church. Corrupted with sexual immorality. Sardis. It's the dead church. Where their, their faith, along with their works, were dying. Just dying. They were dying. But the one I read about today is the church of Smyrna. It's a persecuted church. It's a church that's, that's, that's being persecuted from the outside world. But folks, don't, don't, get, don't get this wrong in, in thinking that the, the attacks that come upon the church are always from the outside. And the churches that, that are being persecuted are being infiltrated and that a lot of the problems that churches have don't always come from the outside. Sometimes they come from the inside. And, and you know, it's almost like, well, you know, you call this the body of Christ. And, and it's very plain to see that in, in some churches, when, when a problem arises in the church, it festers. You know, and, and at one time or another, it has to be lanced. It's just like a boil. And, and, and that has to be removed. But, but that, is, that is persecution. That is the persecution that the churches had back in, those, in, the, in the beginning of time, and, and, or the beginning of the church, and it's the same thing that is, that is happening today. But Jesus tells the church in Smyrna, he says, I know, I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know your troubles. I know your poverty. I know your poverty. But then he says something that is so, so amazing. And it's something I don't think that we get in, in the church of, in, in the states today, in, in, in the church of America, the church of the United States. He says, but you're rich. You're rich. And, and we would look at that and say, well, what's, what's he talking about? And, but the chances are that, that who Jesus was speaking to, the people in the church of Smyrna, maybe weren't even able to put food on their table. And when he said, but you're rich, they knew what he was talking about. They knew it. Because they knew that the gift that they had as a people and the people of that church is that their richness was in Jesus Christ. Because this world is just a whisper in the period of time. And that, and that your richness, it, it comes through him. You see, they would get that. Rich because they have Christ. But he says two things to them. He says, be fearless. And he says, be faithful. Be fearless and be faithful. In all the things that you're going to go through, do those two things. Why? 
Because times are uncertain. The times that they were living in were uncertain times. And, and he says, be fearless, be faithful. Don't give up. Regardless of what happens, you don't give up. Let me read you another church here. This one comes from Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 7. And it says, And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you, because you have kept my command to persevere, to also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast that you have, uh, hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from uh, comes down out of heaven from my God and I will write on him my new name he who has an ear let him hear you know the church of philadelphia it's it's a faithful church it's known as as the faithful church um, you you have gone through this you have gone through the persecution you have gone through tough times but you you haven't denied my, my name. You, you, haven't, you haven't given up. You haven't denied my word. Oh, what do you think we... What do you think I keep talking about, barking about? We don't let this go. Because it's his word. It's his word. We don't let it go. Keep my command to persevere and I will keep you from the trials. Listen, the trial that he's speaking of is the tribulation period. It's a tribulation time, time of trib, the time of the trip. Be faithful. Keep my word. Keep my name. Don't deny me, and I'll keep you from the tribulation time. That's what I'll do. You see, times are uncertain. Persevere. Persevere. Listen, I want you to realize... Two of these seven churches, Christ was happy with. He was happy with them. He was pleased with them. He looked at them and found no faults. Found nothing. And, and, but, but what did that mean? Did it, did it mean that he was going to keep them from having the problems that they had found themselves in the middle of on this earth? the persecution that they were going to get, was he going to keep that from happening to them? No, he was not. He said, buck up, persevere, be faithful, keep my word, 
persevere. What does he promise, though? What does he promise to those churches? I'll keep you from the tribulation. I'll keep you from that time of tribulation. I won't keep you out of trouble. I won't keep them from coming to bang down your doors because you're preaching the gospel and we don't want to hear the gospel anymore. No! I'm not going to keep a government from saying that that you can't pray in the open. I'm not going to do that. But here's what I will do. When the tribulation time comes, you're gone. You're gone. I'll keep you from that. I'll keep you from that. And you'll never have to go through it. You know, think about the churches of, of Smyrna and Philadelphia. And then listen to the last one that I have for you. And this comes from uh, chapter 3 in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So... then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich and white garments, or and white garments that that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, and therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, and to him I will dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's the last church. That's the church of the Laodiceans. You've got to look at that and say, well, what, what are the glaring differences between Smyrna and Philadelphia and Laodicea. What are the, the, the glaring differences here? First of all, the church of the Laodiceans is not the church in Laodicea. It is the church of the Laodiceans. In other words, it's their church. It's not God's church. It, it is theirs first before, before it is God's. Um, and, and they are lukewarm. And if you, if you read that, that scripture in, in what it says, he says, I, I, could, I could handle you if you were cold. I could handle you if you were hot, but you're lukewarm. And what does that mean? They don't care. They don't care. Folks, that right there in itself is why theologians today look back at, at somewhere near the beginning of the, ni- of the 20th century and say, this is the age of the church of the Laodiceans. That's, that's the church. It is the last church in the age of grace or in the age of churches. And, and 
they look at it and they look at, at how the church has progressed over these, this past hundred years and they went, this, this is the church of the Laodiceans. Why? Because they don't care. They don't care. Faith is not an urgency. It's not. I'll take it. I'll leave it. I, and, and, and folks, if you look at it, because all of you um, were, were born with a 19 in front. Okay? Not some, there was, there's a few of you out here in the 2000s, but, but most of you were born with a 19 in, in front. And, and you've come through many, 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 many years, some of you, and you have seen many, many, many changes in the church. Monstrous changes. Changes that, that just amaze you at, at how could the church have gone in, in this direction. But it has. It's because these things don't happen overnight. But the church of the Laodiceans is one that is lukewarm, that nobody cares. Does it mean that the people in those churches don't have their salvation? No. It just means that, that the problems in those churches is a problem that never existed in the age of the church from the very beginning. That nobody cares. You see, I, I hope, folks, I hope that when I talk about a church that doesn't care, I hope you're, you're looking back at me and you're saying, hey, wait a minute. I do care. I do care. I care about my faith. You know, stuff gets put over on us all along the way in, in different, different um, um, uh, laws and, and um, this, this, honestly, this garbage of, of a separation of church and state. Oh, give me a break. It was, Wow. It, was, it did not mean what, what we've twisted it into today. But that took time, guys. It took time to happen. And, 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 I, and if I think I got you right, you care. You care. We don't have to be the church of the Laodiceans. We don't have to be to fit into this mold of, of what God has said, the, the, the church of the end times is going to be this way. Well, he's not wrong. But we don't have to be that way. We don't have to be there. We can be different. Folks, jump up and down and say, Hallelujah, I don't have a conference that tells me what i got to believe. I don't. I want to believe in the Bible. I want to do that. I want to believe every word that he says. We can do that. There's nobody that's going to tell us. And tell me if you think that the Lord Jesus Christ would be disappointed if we made that comment. Not at all. We do care. We do care. You see, I told you earlier that that I am looking forward to this next year. I really am. I'm, I'm looking at, at what our possibilities can be. And, and, and I'll tell you, our, our missions and, and our outreaches are going to be substantial. Folks, 
We have such a possibility here, such a possibility in what we can do, our missions and our outreaches, when, when it, it'll get to the point of saying, wow, these people at Trinity, my gosh, they're so much different than anybody else. Why? Because we're not dragged bound by somebody who says, by somebody who shut me off. <laughs> we're not dragged down. Folks, we, we're, we're going to have mission opportunities where you're going to be able to, to take your I do care attitude and put it to work in this next year to make a difference in this community. We, we, we have to. We have to. I mean, our goals and everything at, at next week's meeting, um, we'll make them known. At next week's meeting, we'll make them known. A week after that, we hit the ground running. Well, tell me what it is. No. Folks, this is it's going to be different. We're, we're going to be able to, to put... This is, the rubber can meet the road. We can make a difference in this community. We can make a difference for Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about anybody else but him. That's it. That's it. Our goals are, are going to be noticed. They're going to make a noticeable difference. They're going to make not us a noticeable difference for us in here, but for people outside. They're going to know Trinity. They're going to know us by the love that we have for Christ and the way we touch hearts and the way we touch souls in this, in this community. Why are we doing this? <sighs> Why are we doing this? Jesus loves me. He loves me. And we live in uncertain times. And as certain as those guys were sitting around a campfire, thinking, what are we in the middle of here, folks? We keep Jesus here. We keep him front and center. We do it because I know he loves us. I know he does. Why? The Bible tells me so. It does. Folks, this is an exciting time. Oh, my goodness. It's the beginning of a new year. It's a time for us to kick off. It's a, it's a time for us to make a difference that will just be so noticeable. It'll be so awesome. And I, I know. I know you want to get going. No, I don't mean leaving. Um, I know you want to be busy. I mean, we're setting up the, the missions, the committee, the, 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 the projects that we're going to go and do. I, I, honestly, we're taking communion to a nursing home after church services today. Um, um, we're going to touch some hearts that have, that, that have been sat out in a nursing home and haven't been touched in a long time. And another religion won't give it to them because they're not of their religion. Okay, I'll stop. <clears throat> We're going to take communion. Glory be to our God. He, he, is, he is who makes us who we are. He, uh, he committed himself to us. He did that. We need to commit ourselves to him. He committed himself to us on that cross that day. He committed himself as he was in that upper room with his disciples. He let it be known then. He said, he, after that Passover meal, he, he took the bread and he gave thanks to the Father. And, and he broke the bread, 
And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Not broken, given. It was given for you. Eat this, and when you do, do this in remembrance of me. After, after the bread, he took the cup. And, and again, he gave thanks to the Father, and he said, this, this cup is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink this, and when you do, do this in remembrance of me. Let's bow our heads. Our Heavenly Father, um, I give you thanks for being our God, for loving us, for, for Jesus, for, for that sacrifice to end all sacrifices, the commitment he made to us before we ever even knew who he was. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for these common elements, the, the bread and the, and the juice. Let them be the body and the blood of Christ for all who partake. Um, Father, we, we love you. We praise your holy name. We praise you because of who you are. We love you because you loved us first. And in all of this, we pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Trinity Now podcast. For more information about Trinity Church, please visit us online at trinitychurchnow.com. We hope today's sermon has touched your heart, and we hope you will join us next week for another message from God's Word.